0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Payne.TV slash gold. All right, folks, let's pick back up with Bo Lee, Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund here. All right, he's talking about uh, building trust and getting all the private sector players, so-called private sector players, on board with pushing central bank digital currency. How do you make it profitable for them? How do you create the buy-in for the so-called private sector partners?
1: So all these questions have to be explored. And we are doing that right now. We are working with a number of our member countries to explore the utilization of data in this process so we can create value and we can make it a sustainable business model for private sector participants in this ecosystem. Uh,
0: Okay, so let me pause there for you. But do you see, so the central banks... And the IMF and the BIS uh, and the World Bank, all all these folks, right, they like to pretend they're part of the public sector. They're part of the government. So let's just assume they are. That's the official narrative. They're part of it. And they're sitting there talking about how it's their job to create business models for the so-called private sector. They're sitting there saying they're creating the business model for the products that the private sector are going to sell in order to get people on board with the new public sector monetary system of complete and total slavery. That's what he said. That This guy is the deputy managing director of the International Monetary Fund. He works hand-in-hand with the Bank for International Settlements, the World Bank, the central banks, and then uh, works – Across the aisle into the uh, so-called private sector with the commercial banks, the regulated non-banks and such uh, financial institutions. So he's saying it's their responsibility there in the so-called public sector to create products for the so-called private sector. But it's a public-private partnership. It's actually one thing. It's just called the partnership. Let's just call. It, let's just call it what it is. It's the state. it's the state the the new world order with one word it's the state folks state state let's continue
1: up here thank you
2: bo just a quick question when you look out at what's happening so far in this sphere Mm -hmm. uh do you see any ways in which you know the transaction data so helpful are being used now or or could be used or should be put into a plan just any specific example
1: Well, I can give you one example. In China, because I personally experienced it, right? Those transaction data can be utilized by service providers in credit underwriting in the sense that, you know, those transaction data in terms of how many coffee I drink every day. Where I buy coffee. Do I use uh, Uber every day? and what kind of working hours I have. Those non-traditional data can be very useful for financial service providers okay. to give me a credit score. And based on a credit score, the financial service provider give me a credit line without any face-to-face due diligence. That's a big saving because traditionally, you know, banks, they need to do due diligence. They need to meet with us face-to-face they need to even visit my home if they want to give me a home equity loan, right? Uh-huh. So there's a lot of cost associated with traditional credit underwriting. But the non traditional credit underwriting is based on data. And there is no need for face to face meeting. And okay. it's much faster and much cheaper. And that's a way to create value. And we see a lot of that already in China because we have very good mobile payment system in china and those service providers that are providing a lot of additional financial service in addition to payment and that can be very profitable and that's the value we are talking about to make it attractive to private sector players to join this ecosystem
0: well okay let's pause right there i let him go uh because you guys should be able to understand him and that was very very important now this guy Bo Li, who's the Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, was also the Deputy Governor of the People's Bank of China, China's Central Bank. And so, as you can see, what he said right there, ladies and gentlemen, is that they're going to track everything you do. Where you buy your coffee, if you use Uber, and all this data that the so-called public sector is collecting, they are going to share with the so-called private sector. So the government is collecting If they want to call themselves the public sector, then it's the government is collecting your data, all of your spending, and they're going to share that with the so-called private sector so that the private sector can assign you a credit score, right? This is like a credit score, but he's talking about China, which credit score has turned into social credit score. So it's not just about what he's talking about, like giving you a home equity loan or giving you a credit card. This is going to go into whether or not you're allowed to rent an apartment. Right. Once all the apartments are consolidated under companies like BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street. So if you go to some club they don't like, if you're hanging out at the Green uh, Dragon Tavern, if you're uh, listening to Dustin Gold Standard or to Thomas Paine Podcast or you are... uh, purchasing things from someone like Wide Awake Jim, or you're listening to Legal Man the Quash, oh, you might not be able to rent an apartment. You might not be able to buy ammunition at the gun store. You see how this works, folks? And he's openly admitting it. He's talking about it. He's talking about it in generalities, relating it to a credit card or a home equity loan. Uh, but as you can see, Kathy from Bloomberg was trying to cut him off a couple of times. And I think that's because he was going a bit too far with it, especially relating it back to China when many people know that China used a social credit score system. Very, 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 very dangerous very dangerous ladies and gentlemen but this is why we are breaking this down let's go back i think we're going to go over to kathy from bloomberg and for
2: the regular person I, mean, I think this is i think this is global universal anybody trying to buy a house or sell a house and when you have to go through all those steps anything that expedites that on both sides right on the uh, i'm the user of it or i'm the seller of it this is very very important uh Want to bring you in, Cecilia, on the question of again, when you say we say incentivize the private sector. Now, to me, again, that's a very nice, simple phrase. But let's when you read about CBDCs, doesn't one of the things that always comes up in a journalist story is all the pluses? But then, well, you know what it's going to mean for the banks. What if everybody goes into CBDCs and they pull their deposits out of the bank? And boy, oh boy, that could be a problem with the banking system. So incentivizing, but sometimes you get the feeling the private sector's maybe just hunkering down and wondering what's gonna to happen to them. Uh, so how, in that kind of environment, how do you incentivize?
0: Okay, okay, very important question. Again, she is working for the bad guys. She's trying to make sure that this system is going to uh, work. So she's going back to CC who is the head of the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub, doing all the cross-border testing through their Project Enbridge. So now she asks her, uh, what happens to the private sector, guys? If you remember, when we covered the World Economic Forum panel discussion, I told you there was a little tension between Axel, who was the chairman of Bank Suisse, representing the commercial banks, the so-called private sector, and Frank Francois, who was the head of the Bank of France and chairman of Bank for International Settlements, because... It appeared that the commercial bankers are starting to wonder if they're going to get pushed out of the equation. Now, I told you, this company, consensus run by Joseph Lubin, who was partners with Vitalik Buterin, who was funded by Peter Thiel to develop Ethereum, we now see Ethereum as a backbone of many of the CBDC projects. We also see consensus coming in. They actually worked on uh, this Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub platform with Ethereum as the backbone. Right, so we see these guys working now in partnership, with Visa, MasterCard, other major financial institutions. And we saw Frank uh, Francois from the Bank of France tell Axel from Credit Suisse, don't worry, we're going to let you guys run all the private accounts, all the consumer accounts, all the business accounts. We don't want to handle that. We just want control over the currency, the payment system. All right, let's continue, folks. I know it's a lot. I keep trying to summarize everything that we've learned and pack it into little sound bites for you so that you can stay caught up on this stuff it's complex it's huge there's no simple way to explain all this folks let's continue
3: so uh i i think uh, what we just heard from bo about uh, credit scoring uh, uh is a very good example i think of um, that different countries have to uh, take different journeys to uh, a, a new kind of world where they serve their society in the best possible way in the, in the digital space. Uh, other countries might kind of find this uh, uh, not the way to go forward. So we all have different preferences and, and this uh, preference on, on privacy or anonymity it's, um, it's tricky. Uh, a lot of people I meet, and I've spoken about this for years now, says that they don't want to have their payments uh, um, kind of distributed among commerce. But they're very happy to have a lot of CCTV cameras because they find it's worth to give up a little bit of privacy to get...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting there, uh, Cece. Did you hear what she said? Th- they'll have uh, people who say they don't want all of their payments being tracked... They don't want all of their uh, transactions uh, being uh, put into a spreadsheet, into a database, and shared with the commercial. Bankers, the so-called private sector side, but they're fine with all the CCTV, the closed-circuit TV cameras that are all over the place. Or if you look at this country just here in the United States, there's uh, millions upon millions of people with the Amazon rings and all of the Google cameras and devices surrounding their house. We're actually building the surveillance state for the technocrats. We're doing that ourselves when we install these things. You think it's to protect you at home. No, folks, this is to provide data to these guys and she's saying oh people are fine with that because they're willing to trade their freedom and liberty for perceived security right if you trade your freedom and liberty for security you will end up with neither freedom or security and she's saying people are willing to do that so now the hook is going to be well give up a little freedom and we're going to provide you with security because we're going to protect you from identity theft and fraud and everything else let's continue
3: security Etc. So I think uh, bottom line is every country has to, to, to look into this from their own particular sp- perspective. What, what is the current state? Where do they want to move it? Uh, and it differs very much if you were working in an emerging economy versus um, um, an advanced economy and depending also how financially included people actually are. So look at the current situation. Look at where you want to go and ask yourself a number of questions. And, Asking those questions, I think, should be in a, in a broader conversation in society. So, legislature has to come in, uh, consumers' groups, merchants' group. Um, so, so you kind of bring out the best of, of the best in, in thinking, and then
0: okay let's pause for a second because it's important what she said there did you hear uh where she's talking about uh if you already have a society let's say like the united states where everyone is already banking as i showed you there's only about two million people supposedly that are unbanked that would like to be banked supposedly supposedly you're supposed to believe that and then she said versus an emerging economy right so this is why they're testing stuff out in africa and again it's easy to get people hooked on these materialistic items and then sell them on the idea of a payment system let's say here in the united states they think it's going to be a little tougher because they have to take 375 million people who are already used to a system that they think kind of works and so they don't want to move away from paper cash into a digital system, but if you go into a village in Africa where people live in uh, straw huts, then it's easier to force them into the system because they don't know any different. They just have to move them from straw hut, from basically nothing, over to digital. Where here, you have to convince people to give up cash and move into the central bank digital currency slave state trackable system. You see how that works? You see how that works, ladies and gentlemen? So that's what she was talking about right there. I'll be right back. This dust and Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back right here on Payne.TV slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So let's pick it up where we left off right here with CC, the head of the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub. And she is talking about how they're going to basically force people into this system and how it's easier to get people that live in mud huts into the system than it is to take people like in the United States and move them into the system. And each country is going to have to figure that out. That's the job of the puppets, the politicians, the actors. And then they all have their own uh, networks. Each country has a network of influencers and propagandists and celebrities and entertainers that are all on the payroll. And they use those folks to drive the propaganda and to move the brainwashing and the mind control forward through all of these personalized choose-your-own-adventure feedback loops that we've covered here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So you'll start to see that happening. That's what Elon Musk is and these folks. And they're going to push people for it. I mean, we could probably go look and see what Kim Kardashian's talking about. She still reaches a lot of people. Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears, these kind of folks. They give them the talking points, and the next thing you know, they'll be tweeting about CBDC is awesome, I accept it now for concert tickets. You know how it works, folks. All right, let's continue.
3: Um, there is no kind of easy, quick way to uh, incentivize the, the private sector here. It it, it, it depends a lot, uh, but I, I think I, I I have a good example of how a private sector actually won from from uh, the public sector, moving uh, the country from one place to another. That is the Brazilian retail fast payment system, Pix that was kind of a bit roughly kind of introduced by by the central bank. Um, And it was a phenomenal uh, onboarding. And people who had never had a bank account before got on board and people could could start to transact with one another uh, much safer than using cash. And also they could leave this digital imprint so the banks could start to tailor-make selling credit products. So everybody...
0: Oh, folks, if if you were watching the video here at Payne.tv slash gold, she starts laughing, big smirk on her face when she talks about the data and the banks can start selling these products. Now, you have to ask yourself, if you take a country, a territory, an area of people that aren't really banking, right? Uh, first off, they're going to say cash. It's not safe. Well, people have been using cash for how long? Since you guys introduced it, actually. And so it's not safe, right? It's not safe. This system will be safer because the tokens, the CBDC tokens, are assigned to you. You can't trade them. You can't sell them. People can't steal them from you. So they're going to use that. That's a big talking point is safety. It's safety, and it's because they love you. But she just said you take an area that's basically virtually unbanked, And then we onboard them into a system that the central bank created, she said, and the private sector onboards all these people. Well, why are you doing that? You have to ask yourself, did the people ask for that? Did the people there ask for it? Or are you coming in as economic hitmen, uh, that book by John Perkins, That we mentioned yesterday in episode 110. Are you coming in, you economic terrorist? pigs you mafia boss central banker scum and you're forcing people into the system well yeah that's what she just said central bank comes up with it and then they use the private sector partners to onboard people they're onboarding them folks that's adoption campaign right that's what i've told you about let's continue
3: Gained really from that all right this is might be a too glossy picture but but it kind of points out that if 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 the public sector kind of pushes the private sector into a new equilibrium, uh, that that is something what is required. If you're waiting for the private sector to to act, they might be too much vested interest and they might might be stuck there.
0: Uh So she just said the public sector, the central banks, the world bankers have to push the private sector. This is why I said this is not a system of inclusion. It's a system of coercion coercion is getting somebody to do something via threat or force they're going to force you they're going to push you if you won't get on that cattle car on that train to go to the Auschwitz concentration camp, and I'm using this as an example all the time because I went there when I was in Poland, and I know people will debate me on all the... It's it's fine. 99% of the world accepts the story we were told in school, so let's stick with it for right now. But if they want to take you and push you onto the cattle car to go to Auschwitz concentration camp, and you're hesitant to do that because you say, well, my life here isn't too bad, then they're going to do what they did, at least the stories told. They're going to drive you into ghettos, make your life miserable, and then throw you on the train. They're going to push you onto the cattle car. That's what she's saying. They're going to push you. And this goes back to technocracy, too, The system of social engineering, the science of social engineering. They are going to engineer you into it because you will have no other choice. Let's continue.
3: Um, So I'll stop there. All right.
0: And remember, folks, these guys are partnered with the governments. They just call themselves the the public sector, They're governments. So how do we do it over all these years when there was a country that didn't want a central bank in their country? Oh, we're going to push you into it. Oh, really? What does that mean? Uh, We're going to come there with the United States or with allied forces, and we're going to blow up your infrastructure. We're going to kill your president. We're going to slander them and call them a dictator, run a huge propaganda campaign, turn the whole world against them. We're going to destroy everything you have. And then we're going to come in and say, hey, your president was a terrible guy. He was a dictator. He was beating people. We are the good guys. We are the allied forces. We are the freedom machine. So we're going to rebuild your country. This is what IMF and World Bank do. We are going to rebuild your country. uh, But guess what you're going to do? You're going to put a central bank into place. We're going to push you into it, whether you want it or not, folks. This has been done time and time again throughout history, time and time again by these economic terrorists, these mafia boss, central banker scum. Let's continue.
2: Means so I can move on to Vera. Uh, and another really big issue, uh and again, I think for people who are very much deep in the weeds here, and just people talking about it, wondering about it, is financial integrity, it's money laundering, it's a financial crime, uh, you, you have to set up the system so that you counter that, you don't let it happen as much as you can, and it, it happens in any kind of monetary system, but at the same time, you don't want to make the barriers so tight, I guess, that people can't get in. How do you view that, and how do you view the best way forward as these systems develop?
0: Okay, so this woman here, Kathy from Bloomberg, uh, Nancy Pelosi with Plastic Surgery, uh, she is now asking Vera. And Vera, as I told you, is Vera Songwe. She is from the United Nations in charge of the Africa Project. All right, And they are running test pilots in Africa, folks. They are trying to force these people. I mean, I honestly feel bad for these people. They probably have no idea what's coming. If I had a lot of money, if I was making a lot of money with this show and eventually where I'd really like to go with the Dustin Gold stand, let me just share this with you Uh, because it's kind of my vision as I've been thinking about doing a show like this for several years. I really want to end up being like um, an Anthony Bourdain Uh, type of show i mean i'm always going to do the podcast like this where i sit in front of the camera and i do the show i want to do the morning show which i'm looking at launching on january 1st but i'd love to be able to say you know what i'm deploying to africa with a producer cameraman for a week. And I'm just going to go do a mini documentary, like a 30 to 60 minute show. And I'm going to go out to one of these places where these economic terrorists are. We're going to see what they're doing in Africa. We're going to talk to some local people. Eventually, that's what I want to do. But I have to grow. I have to get about, I would say, 10 to 20 times bigger than where we are for me to be able to go and do that. But it will be such a value to you folks. And it will provide intelligence like you've never seen before. Because when I'm on the ground, folks, I am able to jive with almost anyone. I'm very good at blending in uh, with the locals, adopting culture quickly, working with translators. And I would be able to pull so much information. I I would just love to show you what they're doing. I would have deployed to Ukraine by now. I would have went to Russia. I would go all over the place. Um, I mean, right now, obviously, because you don't need a COVID vaccine to get in many places. Obviously, if that was the case, I would not be traveling. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sacrifice myself to bring you guys intelligence. I am not getting a COVID jab. But that's the type of show I want to be able to do in the future. So I ask you to please spread the word about the Dust and Gold Standard. Get your friends and family to listen. We get the numbers up. On the public side, I'm able to make ad revenue off the ad if I can get 10 to 20 times bigger, that will be enough alone to be able to allow me to have the budgets because I will reinvest the money that I'm making into doing projects like that. And there'd be enough there without having to ask you guys for any more money. And then also on the subscription side, for now, you can join pain.tv slash gold and I get 50% of that, folks. And if you want to help grow. This show, you can leave a donation at donorbox.org slash dustingoldshow. So what we're going to do tomorrow is going to be episode 112, and we're going to pick back up. We've got about 15 minutes left in this panel discussion, and then we're going to get into this global summit where they're talking openly about is the world ready? Are people ready for a new world Order, And then that's going to bring us into our conversation with my good friend, Dan Golbach, ladies and gentlemen. So sleep on that. Lots of good stuff came out of this piece of the International Monetary Fund Central Bank Digital Currencies for Financial Inclusion Risks and Rewards, October 14, 2022 presentation ladies and gentlemen seriously absorb this try to understand it because it's going to get rockier and crazier as we move forward but by the time we're done you are going to understand how exactly this system works and how Much these economic terrorists want to drive you into a system of complete and total slavery, folks. There is no question about it at this point. This is not because they love us. Although, folks, I love you. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. I'm going to go change a diaper, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to us right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv.